when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello there, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to the stories and events that are going to be in the headlines in the coming days, even though it is holiday time for a lot of people. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we'll be looking at prospects for retailers as they head into that long Easter weekend and how much of the spending there might be driven by a further binge on credit cards. I'm joined by Deirdre Hipwell, the Times Retail Editor, Alex Ralph, Business Correspondent, and Catherine Griffiths, Banking Editor of the Times. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Uh, Catherine, I want to start with you. We've heard a lot of warnings, perhaps from the Bank of England, about unsecured lending and on credit cards in particular. But I see many of the rules were put in place after the financial crisis to stop people going on a binge and tighter restrictions. We've seen noises from the banks recently about they'd like a lighter touch. This is what Mario Draghi had to say about a lighter touch regulation. The last thing we need at this point in time is a relaxation of regulation. Nowadays, financial intermediaries are stronger than they were before the crisis. So the idea of repeating the conditions that were in place before the crisis is something that is um, very worrisome. He made that speech earlier in the year, Catherine. Different times now, aren't they? Do you think there is a danger that the banks, we've heard in America, they may get their way, lighter touch regulation, therefore they could lend a bit more and it's just the time not to? I think that the banks won't get their way if they want light reg regulation anytime soon. Um, we've seen... The details of this year's stress tests just come out from the Bank of England in the UK, which include um, exposure to things like credit cards. And I think looking back to the crisis, there's a question about to what extent was it the kind of evil big banks that caused the financial crisis through things like packaging up subprime loans in the States and selling them on to investors without really sort of telling people what was in those investments? And how much was it the people themselves, people who could never afford to repay a mortgage, um, taking out those loans. And so there's a sort of existential question that will will rumble on, I imagine. But I think in pragmatic terms, regulators in this country, the Eurozone and the states, um, it, it sort of see it as more than their job is worth to in any way roll back on regulation. But Alex, we saw, didn't we, some of those subprime packages or the investment packages sold uh, before the market were also included unsecured credit, didn't they? So it's out there. What we're also seeing, though, is, is the knock-on effects from uh, the financial crisis, which has seen um, consumers who can't get access to credit, maybe they're turned away from the more mainstream sources, um, going to sort of less legitimate places. So we saw, you know, the, the sort of rise of the of the payday lenders, um, but we've also seen the rise of rent-to-own. And um, the FCA has obviously been looking into both of these uh, parts of the market. They've been running a consultation. They're due to report back quite soon on this. But one of the particular problems at the moment is is rent to own where people who can't afford televisions or fridges or, you know, other household goods which are quite pricey. So they lent money at huge interest rates, which they then struggle to pay it back and it's sort of a bit of a vicious cycle. 
one of these firms called Brighthouse, which is the biggest operator in the UK, has today been given authorization, and others are also awaiting it. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's all it's all part of the same issue. It's it's fundamentally whether you think it's okay for people with a certain amount of disposable income to go out and have these goods, um, and whether they can afford those things or not. And so they can either pay for them through rent to own schemes and whether whether we think those are acceptable or they can take out a credit card or they can take out a payday loan and and in a way you the regulator the fca which is responsible for consumers almost has to sort of decide how it wants to sort of channel those people and indeed whether it wants to kind of control regulations to the to the point where perhaps they can or they can't you know they could turn on the tap turn off the tap um or, or although you could perhaps argue that actually isn't it isn't a question for any kind of public body and that's and that should be left to people's own individual decisions but certainly i mean as as you say alex i think we've seen the financial conduct authority under andrew bailey you know wade into some of these markets um with payday loans credit cards and now the rent to buy thing rent rent to buy is it called yeah rent to own rent to own so then so then when you return to the mainstream banks um you sort of think to yourself well they've done lots of things which have been very anti the customer payment protection insurance is certainly one of those things but you know you could also argue that a, ra- a rational person with limited income actually yes going to the bank and taking out a long term loan to to spend on certain things is is probably the, the sensible way forward i agree with all of that but i do think there's also the flip side of the argument that what makes this whole area quite difficult is it could be quite um tough for the FCA or any body or bank to sit and judge whether or not somebody who's living in a council house and might want to buy a flat screen TV, whether or not they should be allowed to do that. And, you know, some people might argue that, you know, through higher purchase, which is effectively what rent to buy is, they've just tried to give it a, a nicer sounding name, it's higher purchase, or going to a payday loan a lender. I mean, is that necessarily a bad thing if you follow all the terms? Because if you pay it back in the set period, yes, you're paying a bit more, but you're not necessarily going to get the really punitive rates which accrue the longer you don't pay. I think the real issue is is often people don't know what they're getting into when they agree to these contracts. And I think that's the real issue. We saw that in the past, people taking out these credit cards and thinking, oh, way hey, I can go and, you know, kit my house out with all the latest things. And they're not really understanding how punitive the rate could get. So I think that's part of it is consumer education. Famously, um, from really quite a long time ago now, um, even the chief executive of Barclays Bank, when asked about some terms and conditions on a Barclay card um, at a Treasury Select Committee, um, couldn't answer those questions, which is kind of funny because it sums up the fact that a lot of these products are are not really designed for people to understand the terms and conditions clearly. They're, they're designed, I think a lot of people would say, to be quite opaque. And one of the things that people feel quite nervous about, investors I think feel quite nervous about with some financial institutions that have gone very heavily into sort of credit card with, with long trans, balance transfers. Um, there are some out there in the market which are, you know, 24 months, 36 months, is realistically, are people going to remember at that point that they have to suddenly move all their money off their credit card before some really quite extortionate interest rate kicks in? Or indeed, has that card product been designed to kind of trip some people up? And I think most people would say it's the latter. Absolutely. I mean, if you ever look on the flip side of your credit card statement when you get it, I mean, there's a whole list of things that you're supposedly, you know, meant to know and gone by and it's quite unintelligible. And 
you know, I also think oftentimes the people who are making these decisions are probably people who've never been in a situation where they've run out of money a week before payday. And if you're a family and you, you need urgent cash, to be honest, I would probably rather go to Wonga than a loan shark. So I think there is a place for some of these organizations, but I think key to it is how they're selling their products and marketing them and whether or not people actually understand what they're signing up for. Is there a point, Catherine, at which you can say, yes, I mean, leaving aside the payday lenders, but looking at the mainstream banks when they're lending money, they could argue that they're a business, they're not a fifth arm, if you like, of the state to provide benefits. But there, isn't there too, particularly in today's climate, a certain moral obligation? Do you feel, because I know you've looked into this, that they really do live up to, they play a role in fuller society, or are they just as Unfortunately, we all see them as just mean machines. I think that they do a better job than they used to do. And actually, nowhere is this more apparent than in the world of PPI, um, which has cost banks a cool £40 billion or so, so far. Um, And the issue there is that when the financial ombudsman and other groups are sort of looking back to see whether people should be compensated for this product, they have to take into account how the product was sold, but they also have to take into account, because they work inside the law, what the legal framework was at the time. And what you see is lots of people who would be compensated under today's terms and conditions who are not necessarily being compensated because they bought something with PPI 10, 20 years ago. So, I mean, I think that in itself shows that progress is being made, although you could also argue actually that it's that's just quite depressing and that perhaps banks operating now should take a more generous view to to what should and should not be compensated because after all, it might be kind of okay within the letter of the law, but is it okay given that these are potentially still customers, that banks are very kind of public institutions they they have learned since the financial crisis to take a slightly broader approach but i think you still see actually in the last few years things like packaged bank accounts which some of them are quite good but a lot of the banks now have provisions in their results for compensation because essentially it isn't good value to sell a packaged bank account to someone with mobile phone insurance in it if for example that person doesn't have a mobile phone that kind of thing okay well just moving on slightly, it's a quiet corporate reporting. We are going to be hearing, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, from Tesco and WH Smith. I mean, very high profile retailers. Given the light of what we've been talking about and people spending, and they now seem to supply all things to all people, what is the outlook for them, do you think, going into that period, just generally? Um, well, I mean, Tesco is going to be the big story next week. Um, Yes, they'll be talking about consumer spending, but the real issue, or, or well, not the issue, but the the real area that the city will be looking at is um, is its turnaround fully on track. This is quite a key moment for Tesco because obviously they're trying to do this massive deal to take over Booker. So they will need to impress next week. They will need to show that their recovery is firmly on track because there has in the last few weeks been increasing um unease being expressed from certain quarters, including their third and fourth largest shareholder, that this deal is overpriced, it's going to destroy value, it's going to distract their attention at exactly the point that they should be focused on the business. So people are going to want to see that there's been a pickup in operating profit, like for like sales, they're going 
to want a bit more detail on the international business, which hasn't been performing as well. And there's been a bit of a restructure there recently. They might want an update on dividend reinstatement. They'll want to know what's happening with the pension plan. Um, and then obviously, you know, there might be further commentary from Dave Lewis as to whether or not he thinks Tesco is over its crisis, which was obviously the accounting scandal, which they recently um agreed a deferred prosecution agreement with the SFO. So that is the big news. WH Smiths will be the usual. It'll be, we're doing really well in our transport hubs. Our sales are up, our profits are up, and the usual defense of why their retail high street stalls always look a bit cruddy. (laughs) Which is quite hard to defend in the ones I've been into. But I suppose the other issues facing the retailers as well, more broadly, is um, is, is, is consumer spending power. And I think that the Bank of England was was the latest to to flag this this week, and you know with rising inflation and the squeeze on um, wages, there's concern that um, that people are going to stop spending, and and that's obviously a big worry for the sector, which actually in turn could could push consumers towards these credit options. Absolutely, and Canton World Panel did say this week that um, inflation um, had risen by two point three percent in the last. 12 weeks up to about March 26. And that's because cost of staples arises. So that's tea, butter, fish, fresh produce. Um, and basically all, the average British uh, household would have spent about an extra £21 and a bit in the last three months. I mean, if you add it up, it's only like an extra 20, 25p a day. But it, inflation is going to continue. And that does have an impact because I've even noticed that you can see that when you go into the stores now, there's fewer multi-buy offers because supermarkets mm. have been removing that and certain products which I buy on a regular basis, I can see that they've gone up. And tea is one of them. And I'm a prodigious tea drinker, so I have noticed that. Um, I think it, it, it feeds through to confidence of people are paying more when they go to the grocery stores. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out this year and also how the supermarkets try and react to that because obviously they're facing rising costs too because of the fall in the pound. But of course, uh, retailers cut cut the cost of products at their peril, Deirdre, don't they? Um, as we have recently reported, um, the people who own Toblerone also own Cadbury. And I think they said that they measure everything against the, the horror that was the, the anger caused by messing around with Toblerones by putting less Tobler in the Rhone. And even in this issue with the Easter egg hunt, by taking um, Easter out of the out, out of the title, apparently that's sort of less awful for them than the wrath of the nation uh, over Toblerone. So others will do the same at their peril. Well, quite right. And I think Mondelez should feel... Uh, <laughs> embarrassed you're naming and shaming now aren't you absolutely the tober i mean as value engineering which is the horrible term that consumer companies use when they talk about effectively making a, a product slightly smaller but selling it for the same if not more because they're trying to get more bang for their buck but you know there's value engineering and then there was the you know what they did to Toblerone, <laughs> where you could have driven a car through the the gap in the in the in the triangle chocolate pieces i mean that was a bit too much and they were quite rightly pilloried for that but yeah there'll be a lot of that going on um suppliers to supermarkets are going to find it tough because the pressure will be coming on to them to um, reduce their costs same as for supermarkets and it's a very competitive grocery market which in the long run is great for us as consumers but it's very tough for the retail for grocery um uh, operators because they're already operating on pretty thin margins yeah, and I suppose we'll probably get a greater insight into the impact it's having on suppliers, that squeeze that the supermarkets are putting on them um, when the 
the regulator, the grocery uh, code adjudicator has its um, conference in a few weeks time and it publishes a survey from suppliers. So it'll be interesting to see see how that turns out. Because yeah, I think, um, particularly if you look at Tesco, I mean, obviously they've done a lot to improve their relationship with suppliers, which was pretty much at a shocking nadir about a year and a half ago, which they've owned up to. But, you know, I, even if they are in a better relationship now, the fact of the matter is they're still going to come under pressure to try and help Tesco provide, you know, regular lower prices to consumers and all the supermarkets are at it. So it's very difficult, particularly when you add in the backdrop of um, Aldi, Little and Iceland, whose sales have been growing quite rapidly in the last few weeks and so more people are turning to discounters again. Well, lots to watch out for. Thank you all very much. And that's just about it for now. But remember, keep up to date with those results in particular. Deirdre will be following them. It'll be online, on your phone, on your tablet, and of course in the paper. If you aren't a subscriber, then please go to thetimes.co.uk and sign up there. And if you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes and uh, feel free to post your comments. We'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Deirdre Hipwell, Catherine Griffith and Alex Ralph. They are on Twitter, so please do follow them and join us again next week. Thanks for listening. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.